0: Buenas and welcome to the Dear Gorgeous podcast. We're your hosts, Akina Angelina, two Micronesian and Asian women from the beautiful island of Guahan. And we're on a mission to share the stories of inspirational Asian and Pacific Islander women from around the world.
1: Okay, um, can you hear yourself? Yes, I can. All right. I just got back from the Liberation Day Parade mm-hmm. and my mom was um talking about I have to go today because um it's the seventy fifth and I don't think I'm gonna be around when when it's a hundred. <laughs> <Is> that <laughs> that? On the hundredth one, right? Yeah. And and then he and then she was telling me that she was telling my brother Matt that um he would have to be like He's going to be like rolling her on a wheelchair <laughs> at the 100th um, celebration of Liberation Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be like in my 60s. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was thinking that too. We <laughs> would be around like our 50s or 60s. Oh, uh, we're so going to be in f- our
1: 60s. Shh,
0: we're going to round down. <laughs> um, so just for our listeners. Liberation Day is on July 21st. Mm-hmm. And exactly 75 mm-hmm. years ago what happened?
1: Um so the Japanese occupation ended mm-hmm. and the American occupation started. <laughs> Briefly <laughs> started. <laughs> yeah. Um and um it was for the generation that of my dad's parents, it was a relief for them because they would have suffered many crazy atrocities <coughs> while the Japanese were here,
0: yeah, which is you know, if we're gonna dive back in our lineage, my family, we have a Japanese last name for my clan, my chargalov clan, mm. which is Hamamoto. And my grandfather's brother also has a Japanese name for their clan, which is Fujikawa. Oh wow! So, you know, ever since like I was growing up and learning about liberation, I w- I was always not conflicted, but very like lost when I was younger. Like where do like I fit into it in this? Because oh, we yeah. carried that Japanese bloodline in our our bloodline, and it's not even my mom. Like my mom's full Japanese, but my dad is part Japanese. So we're always known as the Hamamoto Chargolof and then the Fujiwara Chagoloff, and we actually celebrated very much. So celebrated the Japanese culture within our family itself. I was a kid; it was very conflicting.
1: What, um, so the the Japanese side of your family? Because mm-hmm. I know your mom's Japanese, yes. but your your but your dad is also
0: yeah. Because my grandma's half, so her mom and her dad was of. Uh, his father ja- was japanese and the mother,
1: mother was, J- was Chamorro. Oh, i could because ima- it was hamamoto oh how yeah. so do you have you heard any stories about this like about how all of this happened and what went down for them like what was it like for them to be to exist did they have a relationship or was it just kind of like i that's think too much to <laughs> ask
0: i just talked to my uncle about this um my dad's um actually the eldest sibling of the charcoal clan in the Hamamoto side. So my grandpa, my, or I'm sorry, my great-grandfather, he was full Japanese, so let's call him Grandpa Hamamoto. Mm-hmm. So he came to Guam on a fishing boat and then decided that he never wanted to leave.
1: And this was during or before the war? Or?
0: This was before the war. Okay. So before the occupation. So he, yeah, he came on a fishing boat and then he decided that he never wanted to leave and he actually opened a bakery in Sumai oh wow okay i wish we still had a bakery yeah (laughs) yeah so he actually met my grandma um pre-war and they fell in love and then they have 15 kids (laughs) (laughs) and my grandma just happened to be um i think the third youngest Mm. of the 15 but then he passed away before the war actually wow yeah so he passed away before the war and, um, yeah, so my grandma, Hamamoto, she ended up having the 15 kids, including my grandmother. And then, the, I think the oldest of the 15 was born around, mm-hmm. like, 1918. Yeah. Okay. So, fast forward now. Well, actually, like, my grandmother and my grandfather also met in, I think, because he was... Well, he was a police officer that he met my grandmother mm-hmm. so my grandfather was full tomorrow so my grandmother already has some part japanese blood but according to my uncle back in the day during the war our family did hard labor but not as much because they had a japanese like bloodline mm-hmm. but it was really interesting because he was explaining to me that a lot of the skills that we have today and through the labor work that we did during the war was actually taught by the Japanese. So like in terms of planting efficiently and how to cook. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our cuisines and delicacies are inspired by like the Filipino culture, Mm -hmm. cooking style. Um, I think the technical side was taught by the
1: Japanese people. Mm. and Um, That makes me think about, because I was reading, um, I think I wanna say it was one of Anne Hattori's essays. Um, but talk of, um, so before the Japanese occupation started, it was, you know, the Americans were here. So they were, yeah. um, there was, there was concern about food, like uh, concern that they were gonna run out of food and they couldn't, mm-hmm. um, they weren't gonna be able to feed the, um, military yeah. that was out here. And so, um, I have to double check, but they, I think they had wrote they, one, they ordered, one of the things that they, s- they stopped, um, was f- fiestas. What? S- yeah. So they didn't, um, I think it, and I think it had something to do with, um, running out of food. Yeah. <laughs> um, <gasps> and, okay. a- and another thing I also heard was that they, um, also stopped us from, not stopped us, uh, I want to say required families to farm and yeah. grow vegetables and stuff so I'm curious to see how all of that is um, how all of that matches up because it's like did our people forget how to cook cr- traditionally and to plant traditionally and the like Japanese before were teaching the occupation, yeah.
0: I think it was more just like a trade of skills mm. um, I'm pretty sure th- I don't know this but the Japanese soldiers could not fish as well as the Chamorro people. yeah. So I believe it's more of like a trade in skills. So th- mm. although they were doing like the hard labor work, I guess they were teaching them how to do it like in an organized system, mm. possibly.
1: Interesting. Um, that would be an interesting thing, yeah. thing to research further too.
0: Yeah, so my uncle was basically saying that when he grew up, he ate a lot of Japanese food, like mm-hmm. sukiyaki, like you know the meats, um, the rice, of course, the vegetables, and... Um, yeah, my grandma taught herself how to speak Japanese, to communicate with the soldiers and the community members, because obviously my great grandmother didn't teach her yeah. Um. the proper way. But, you know, it's when I was a kid and be introduced to this, we were taught with the textbooks, what the textbooks say. Yeah. And it painted, you know, half of my people. And dislike, and because of that, I was bullied within the classroom setting. Yeah. And kids would tell me, "Oh, you know, your people killed your other people." Yeah. And as a ten-year-old, how am I supposed to like digest that? You know. And I felt alienated in the way where I just didn't know how to belong. Yeah. And it was a little reassuring because after I was talking to my uncle recently, so like what twenty years later. Yeah. Um. My uncle actually told me that Guam is, we, we have a Catholic religion and, and Catholicism is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So he was telling me that self-consciously, the Chamorro people, we actually do honor the Japanese because of like the skilled trades and stuff like that that we mm-hmm. carry on to today. But more so, we learn to forgive and look at the war as something that happened and moving forward from that, and he had mentioned that the older generation who went to war and endured it tell the younger generation that you don't go and you hate people.
1: Mm. Th- so that they had like powerful. an understanding that holding on to hate yeah. doesn't yeah. help you, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, wow. Of course, uh,
0: you know, he did mention it's not preached anywhere. Yeah. Women, but the general consensus with I guess like his what well, he grew I mean up it's knowing it's
1: pretty interesting to hear that I mean there were Japanese he and that called Guam home before the occupation and there mm-hmm. continued to be a Japanese presence afterwards too because you know and your family um was a part of that you know your family yeah. um so my that's that really gets me thinking because There is a lot of, um, of, of, of stories that we're missing. I think that, I think that there's a lot there's, it's so easy to find stories and testimonies, um, right now that, that do paint the Japanese in that light. Um, and I'm not at all devaluing, um, you know, the massacres Mm -hmm. and, like my grandma having to dirty up her face um, as a Japanese soldier walked by. I mean, there were definitely all of those really scary, horrible things oh no, happening. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it just it just goes to show that our um, our textbooks and our education also um, are able to limit the the narrative, you know, to make sure that we have an opinion about a specific in op- opinion about something that happened in history. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine that, you know, you being ha- half Japanese and half Chamorro, yeah. Um and being a little girl and just being <laughs> yeah, and I told, think like, oh, your people killed.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what our textbooks sometimes miss, right, is the human aspect of it. Mm. Because in some of... Or other texts like *Massacre at Tati, it there's a there's a portion in there, mm-hmm. and I mentioned this in our previous podcast of right. the Chamorros taking back their power and they killed these Japanese soldiers. Um, and while one of them was dying, looked at him and said, "Why did you kill me? I was just following orders." Right. You don't hear about that cultural side in the textbook. That Japan is very honorable. Yeah and they will risk their life or they will uh, give up their life in order to serve their emperor or whoever's higher in power Mm -hmm. because that's honor. You know, it's so it comes back to like culture, you know?
1: No, it's true. And it's, um, but I, I mean, here's the reality of it though, is that, Mm -hmm. um, we're under a a different occupation right now, you know, and we don't, we have not established full sovereignty as an island um evidence is in our governor requesting for a pause in that con- in construction um for the firing range and getting denied <laughs> yeah so um and that's supposed to be the highest seat in our local government right yes um and uh, and and that to me is a huge indicator of um of our status Right. But regardless of that, because we're still in this occupation, the narrative around the war is going to be about the atrocities suffered at the hands of the Japanese because it supports um, it helps support the 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 idea that um, the American occupation is has liberated us. Man, it's just, uh, else there's so many layers to this because it's like the, the narrative around the liberation and the Japanese war and everything is just so, there's so much, um, education around it and, yeah. and everything's so strong. Like, I tried to look w- up, um, recently uh, about the d- just the day. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find testimonies of the day, yeah. July 21st, 1944. I wanted to hear, um, from soldiers. I wanted to hear from locals about like what what they saw and what they've heard because I've heard so many different accounts. Yeah. Um, Like even on YouTube, like all of that information is super limited. But um, from what I understand, um, the U.S., there was like a pre, what do you call it, bombardment on the Mm -hmm. island. So like they carpet bombed like the whole island Mm -hmm. um, uh, without knowing where the locals were yeah so to me it's like for one like how can you be liberating anybody if you're not even making sure that they're going to be alive after you um come out and (laughs) go like set up shop you know what i mean like um and you know that that's not being taught (laughs) yeah i didn't learn that like i had to seek that information to learn that Mm -hmm. um and That's really interesting. I want to hear more about your experience growing up and learning about all this. Yeah.
0: And then on the other hand, when I would go to Japan, so my Japanese grandma, she's the youngest of 10 children. But um, her mom passed away giving birth to her. So she never knew her birth mom. And her father had passed away, I believe, during the war. Um, So she was telling me that she grew up not knowing um, much about her parents and only some of her siblings, but actually one of her siblings was a Kamikaze pilot. So basically, in World War II, it's a Japanese aircraft loaded with explosives and basically makes a deliberate suicidal crash on an enemy target. Wow that one of her siblings um actually did that and just like hearing about it from my grandma uh, of course my grandma was an infant then right Mm -hmm. um so the aftermath of the war at least in japan from her stories is that she was moved from foster family to foster family and she was very much treated like shit yeah you know and at some point her foster family tried to push her into becoming a geisha. Wow. Yeah, um, which was very young, because her foster sister was a geisha at oh. that time. But then my grandma met my grandpa. Um, she was working. And she met my grandpa. They got married. And of course, they had kids. Yeah. Um, but my grandma grew up, of course, like very very poor, and then her. My grandma and my grandpa decided to start a ramen shop together. So they had a ramen shop in the hospital the ground floor. And I would always, like, play there <laughs> when really? I was a kid. Um, Yeah. And they will take me around the hospital and then turn into a TV store. So basically, they built their life from scratch. But my grandma always told me, because, you know, when I'm a kid, right, I'll be like, I don't need 10 cents. I'll need a penny. And my grandma used to tell me, if you're a penny short, sometimes you can't eat. Yeah. So that's the value of money. Her value of money and her value of suffering is so different. Yeah from the way we see it now. I see why. Um she had to literally build everything from scratch and then from a very young age felt disowned and displaced and abandoned. And abandoned. Yeah. Um, picking up the pieces from scratch. Um, not really having a real relationship with her siblings. Mm. when that's the only family that you have left have that burden just basically carrying that burden through your whole life up till now so up till now she feeds me a lot like more than i can eat i know grandmas do that but it's it's because she couldn't eat that much yeah. when she was that's how child. she's
1: showing her love to you though. yeah it's like this is
0: yeah oh so like understanding that so sometimes i was like oh okay so this is why she does these these things or she'll over buy <laughs> fruits and desserts and ice cream is because she could she didn't have that luxury growing up
1: that reminds me of um the older generations too like all the monomco like my my aunties and my uncles um all have this like tendency to keep everything Mm -hmm. that they have yeah you know and it's just for me because i i feel better like when i can clear up shop like as much as possible like yeah I don't like to, like, hold on to stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. But I definitely inherited that quality for a little bit. But now it's just, like, I don't know. I can go into one of my auntie's houses and I'll be like, oh, my God, you have so much stuff. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you haven't used any of this <laughs> this thing that's been sitting on your kitchen counter for, like, three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, that whole, like, um, you know, you never know. Like, you never know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. what you might need. Yeah. And, um,
0: but if you think about it, our s- safety, we're, we live in a time, at least for us, you know, in our region right now, we live in a time where our sa- we don't have to worry about our safety every single day. Yeah. The way that our grandparents do. Yeah. Of course, there's a different issue going on the opposite end of the world right now. Right. So my heart feels for them. But we live in such a, I don't know, like to wake up every day and not have to worry whether you're going to live or die. That's, we, we take that for granted.
1: I do too. I deeply. do believe that. I do believe that because it's, it's, I think it's that luxury. It is. That, I think it's that luxury that is great, but then also r- leaves room for a lot of illusion mm-hmm. in our lives. So, yeah. Um. You mentioned earlier, before we started recording, the idea of like, okay, so we're at this marker, right? They're celebrating. Mm-hmm. This like this big. It's seventy-five years, yeah. right? Yeah. And and then my mom's bringing up, oh, during the hundredth one, it's like so. It's like a lot of this thinking about the future, and I'm wondering what this day is going to be like when that hundredth year mm-hmm. mark is. It going to be like this? Is it going to be a bunch of us gathering together to watch floats go by mm-hmm. and um, branches of the military march by yeah uh, and I and I'm I'm curious I'm curious yeah. what is going th- what is this day gonna be like um, for our kids mm-hmm <laughs> I don't I really don't no i know what i would want it to be like but yeah i don't know there's a lot yeah so
0: we were talking about this right so what can we do now in a way that would help our kids in the future and while you're talking the first thing that came to my mind was i don't think we talk to our elders as much as we should and that came mm. that came to my attention when you asked me questions about, like, my great-grandmother and grandfather. I was like, shoot, I kind of have an idea, but mm. I don't really know the root of it. And if I'm going to find out these stories now, it literally needs to be now. Right? Even my grandma's stories. Um, she has more stories than, you know, the stuff that she tells me and how she met my grandpa wearing a pink coat. Like, you know, there's more stories than that. And oh, if I, I want I want the nitty-gritty, her, gritty too. Yeah, and... If we're going to ask, I don't think we ask enough and as often as we should. I don't think that we,
1: I don't think that we're raised to value those stories. I think that's what it is.
0: That's insane. Yeah. It's
1: insane, but it's true. Like, yeah, we're not raised to like to to be. I don't think that's reflective of either of our cultures, though. Mm -hmm. I think that's a westernized concept that that we don't need to we don't value the stories of our of our elders
0: you know what's so crazy though i've i've had this thought so many times i feel like we're losing how to storytell in a way our ancestors Mm. the way they told stories is they would share the story and they would memorize it Mm. they didn't write it on paper they didn't record on their voice memo but nowadays i feel like when i hear people's stories I sometimes have to take notes so I don't forget. Yeah. And even in the middle of the story, I'm like, oh my God, this is really good. I lose th- my train of thought. Right. Like a couple of hours later, I was like, when? It's so crazy because like that's a gift that we should have in our bloodline as yep. our region. Yep. The art of storytelling. But that's what it is. It's an art. And you lose it if you don't practice it.
1: Yep. Why do you think we're losing it? Because we don't practice it. But why don't you why don't y- we practice it? I think I think a
0: lot of us are very busy in our modern day, day-to-day. Day. Um, I believe that science and technology could give us a lot of opportunities and advancement in communicating, but if we absorb too much of it we start losing our other senses mm. right um yeah so for example um you break a leg <laughs> you're in a cast you don't walk on that foot for a whole month and then once you take that cast off it's you'll eventually get your senses but you have to practice how yeah, to you walk have to practice and using that leg know, again build that muscle and it's like meditation and breath yeah you know you can't just meditate for a week and be like, "Okay, I mastered it and revisit it six months later
1: um mm. i one of my uncles shared a very, very beautiful story with me about this and stories and um we were just at dinner, and he goes, "You know what I realized recently with grandpa um that he was a slave in World War two really like a labor worker mm. and um and he said. Cause so my uncle shared, I won't say his name, but like he just shared that he grew up with a lot of anger and, um, you know, was dealing with a lot of issues. And, and, um, so he was very angry with my grandpa for a long time. Mm-hmm. And through the years, as he's gotten older and he has his own kids, he's been able to like understand yeah. a little bit better, um, where my grandpa was coming from. Cause, um, my, my grandpa, my grandpa, b- I believe lost his parents early on in his life mm-hmm. and he was pokeside. So he was like, he was raised up by, yeah. um, another family and, um, please forgive me, my family. I don't know all of these details. I'm just kind of playing yeah. this now, but anyways, so he's started to spend more time with my grandpa and, you know, taking them to places like doctors appointments, whatever. Yeah and um they were driving through Tiedzen by the airport and and apparently my grandpa never told these stories like my grandpa didn't ever offer Mm -hmm. up stories about the war or even just his childhood to anyone um really just wasn't very talkative in that way i guess um but he was looking over like i guess towards like where the runway is or like you know where the um, like the cargo yeah um the airport building is yeah like Mm -hmm. right before the airport he was looking over in that land there and he was like that's I remember he said something like I remember that place like oh my gosh I was working all day and all night and I I guess they hadn't like let him sleep and then they had him work all day and he was so tired and he tried to hide and like sleep somewhere because he needed to sleep and um I don't think that my grandpa was even I think he was maybe p- maybe t- between twelve and fifteen during the war, so he was yeah. a li- he was a kid mm-hmm. um and he my uncle said something just like clicked inside of him like yeah. th- all of a sudden he realized like, oh my god, like this is a human being that like has been through something that we can't imagine mm-hmm. at this point. we can't imagine it. And but we were my family was affected by my grandpa's story Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that my grandpa had been through, you know, working as a labor worker or doing whatever the hell he needed to do to survive in an island where his culture was both during the uh, the American and the Japanese occupations where his culture was not valued on his own land, where he wasn't valued on his own land um best believe his kids inherited that rhetoric like Mm -hmm. you know and and we feel it in my generation now my grandpa's in his 80s now yeah um but that's the power of storytelling just that small he didn't even tell him a full story like just shared with him a moment and that moment helped my uncle understand my grandpa in ways that he 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 needed to understand him you know what i mean yeah um and I'm just curious why we don't value these stories, you know? Um, and I, d- and I think that it's part of this illusory experience that we're all in of being safe. You're safe. Now you have your safe job. You have your fat, your immediate family, you have money and you have this, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is all you need to survive, but, Why are so many of us still so damn unhappy?
0: So, a light bulb went up or went out or went turned on. You get it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think because maybe a lot of us aren't willing to learn. I realize Mm. that if you want to grow in any shape or form in life, you need to have an openness to learn without saying anything Mm -hmm. so
1: being the willingness to listen then
0: willingness to listen and openness to learn because you could you could listen but you could reject everything that people tell you right but it's not it's not necessarily to teach you x y and z but it's to exercise your mind to think why x y and z are valid or x y and z is invalid and how it goes into your roots and your values. For example, say I feel like shit, right? Okay. And you're like, well, okay, I you eat french fries and potato chips and like chicken wings all day. What do you expect? So <laughs> you give me <laughs> the conscious awareness I and the, um, yeah, basically the openness, like, well, why don't you start working out? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like me taking your advice and not even trying that and be like, no. So I'm not doing anything to make me feel better.
1: Well, you don't want to give up the, the French fries and the chicken wings. See, so y- it's yeah. that, um, it's like, quote, cool, uh, we were just talking about this, um, before you heal somebody.
0: You heal yourself. Or was that one? No, it was no. before you
1: heal somebody, make sure they're willing to give up the things that are making them sick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
0: so going back to what we are saying, I think the reason why we can't like get past that shift is because I've had so many friends come to me for advice. I lay it down on them. And they don't even want to try. It's that they bag on it first. That's, why I, that's mm-hmm. why I say it's important that you just need to be open to learning about everything, including the things
1: mm-hmm. that anger you. And or even make you feel small or whatever. Or even the things that yeah. you don't
0: agree with. Yeah. Um. Just so you could have that open consciousness to accept both. And you yourself have that conversation and validate which one resonates with you. Right. I think people don't get past that learning point or be open to learning. There's yes. a difference between learning yes. and yes. being open yes. to
1: learning. Yes. So so going back to like even worrying about the future, you know, and what mm-hmm. we're what what the island, what the social conditions yeah. are going to be like by the hundredth um Liberation Day. hmm celebration um if we even are still going to be celebrating liberation day by that time um like uh, okay let's let's be really direct like let's think of let's let's talk about the water situation that you and i have both been exposed to learning about Mm -hmm. because of where you work and also just because i like to read about stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no that's Um, a perfect example
0: because prior to where i worked Mm. i had no idea what was going on yeah. And that's. That's personally because I was too busy running around trying to take care of like all my other shit. Well, okay. But so if you. I if didn't get. Yeah.
1: If you didn't know and then you learned about it, mm-hmm. I'm curious actually because. Yeah. This because is a good conversation um, I to think have. A, a lot of people who who don't know, and then the the, the information is brought to their table. I've seen a lot of people get very defensive mm-hmm. because they don't know. I mean, it yep. sucks to like be to learn that you didn't know something. Yeah, like that's actually probably one of my deepest fears too. No, yeah. <laughs> I have imposter syndrome, so God, God forbid, somebody find out that like no, but I didn't. I don't know something. You no, know, the world is composed <laughs> with so
0: much information. Yeah, first, don't feel bad if you weren't aware of what's going on yeah um, maybe this is a lesson to like tap in once in a while open a right. newspaper read something and then open that conversation but continue on to what you were saying
1: oh well okay so so right now um so what's going on the right okay so this discussion around like the military build-up mm-hmm. has an automatic negative connotation to it um mm-hmm. I, and i've definitely been in conversations where somebody will bring up build up and everyone's like oh my god please don't bring up the build up Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it's like how much do you know about the?" this is happening right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so okay so i've i i know and most of my research has been done um through like handouts and through the circles of friends that i um Mm -hmm. that i um hang around with or i'm around i've gone to the public hearing um that was held for um the the pause Mm -hmm. for the bill resolution for the pause and then i i watched i couldn't make it to that one but i live streamed the meeting that all of these local groups had with the governor Mm -hmm. and learning about the water situation there's so many other things but in the environmental impact statement released by the military Mm -hmm. it shows that um what is going to be happening up there if they build the firing range will stress the main aquifer Mm -hmm. that we use as a water source so it could stress it in a way where if the military buildup happens, the uprising population will um, will stress th- it so much that um, it'll, I forget the word for it, it's like salt, um, salt intrusion, oh shoot, hold on, let me just double check real quick. Here, wa- saltwater intrusion is the movement of saline water into freshwater aquifers Mm -hmm. which can lead to contamination of drinking water sources and other consequences so that this is something that is a risk of happening if this firing range is built and the buildup happens Mm -hmm. um another thing is that just naturally they'll be shooting like millions of rounds of ammo yeah (laughs) yeah so um you know and then also another thing is um i work directly with um the Hadza foundation, and they uh the Hadza Foundation connects our local surhanas and Serrans or zoumties um to the public and and, so, what are and s- so they're traditional healers they practice a healing um, knowledge that has been around and has sustained itself for thirty five hundred years and um they use a an array of different techniques but a lot of it is touch so massage um but also herbal medicines where they use a lot of the local plants all local plants that grow here to make medicine omelet Mm -hmm. and um i in my you know short experience you know because i started as an apprentice a few months ago i see how busy they are like when you go up to um Sagan and Samoro, like Mama Chai's office, like right in the back of the art gallery. She is only in her, um, in, she's only in for the day between 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. And she has people walking in nonstop for her services. Um, and that area where the buildup is, there's a lot of Amun up there. And if this buildup happens, it'll be closed for what, like nine months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um so that's like a right now thing. Yeah. But the water situation, that's a that's something that that is going to be harmful to us, you know, years down the line, but what I'm understanding is if you have certain chemical contaminations, which we already do in other parts of the island, they're irreversible.
0: Yeah. And the reason why you're aware of all of this is because you had the openness to learn about it.
1: Correct? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because I wanted to. Yeah, and, and I, I think st- that's what
0: we're we're getting. That yeah. is, in I think, just in general, um, is about education.
1: It is about education. And it's not about yeah. taking sides. Yep.
0: It's about making your own decisions, but just being open to the information out there because there are different information, mm-hmm. you know? So just talking to people what's going on and guiltily, I did not know any of this until yeah. the past couple of months either. It's because my line of work promotes a publication that promotes that land. Well, they, I don't w- and I um, also think
1: that information isn't made available like it's not meant to be like easily accessible. Like the environmental impact statement, I believe you can get it online. I want to say because I wasn't
0: the part of the hearing that just happened. Didn't they mention it? So they it's mentioned it, but it's also thousands, recording.
1: right? But it, but it's also yes. So it's about tapping into like different. Um, yeah. Sorry, who's that? Five something so nine
0: twenty one. Hold on. Oh.
1: Anyways, um, yeah. so 947. So, so it is about, it's about seeking that information and being vi- vi- vigilant about seeking that information. Uh, but like also, I had to go, I did have to c- sort of go out of my way to get that information because it's not, it's not very common to even want to know about these things. So well, you
0: want to know it because you're interested in it.
1: Yeah, but I'm interested in. Yeah, but it's not like I was like born interested. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't wake up one day and was like, you know, I don't know about what's going on. It's, I think it's, I think it's a very, I think it's very common to not care about what's immediately affecting your circle, you know? Mm hmm. Um, but it's also part. But it's also part of the illusion that we're safe. Yeah. I think that. Does that make sense?
0: That was good. That was a good tie. in What? <laughs> Back to the illusion. thing. Yeah. No, because it I- <laughs> like, no. it's is, it
1: is part of that illusion of us feeling safe. Oh, I'm safe. I don't have to know about these things. Yeah. I'm safe. But guess what? If you have kids and your kids have kids yeah. and our water, s- our main water source is not. Um, what do you call it? It's not safe to shower in, brush your teeth in to drink. Yeah. What are we gonna do? What do we do here? What are we leaving yeah. behind? You know? And and you're right, it's not about choosing sides, it's not even about arguing, it's just about the facts. Mm-hmm. It's about like learning about what's happening here.
0: Yeah. I mean open to it and I've learned a lot just from public events in general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not gonna lie, I wasn't Before I started my line of work, I wasn't like digging in a newspaper. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? But even with the
1: newspapers, though, it's hard to get, you know, clear narratives and clear information because each publication, they're ran by people and people have biases. So it's like you still have to go out there and like and make sure that you're learning about these things and doing your own um, discerning it in your own way like okay does this make sense is this something that you know what i mean like
0: yep but as a former journalist i'd like to think that our job is to tell the facts mm. and the truth
1: yes and i i agree which i've actually recently had a we should actually have a whole other episode about this we because are going to have we're a going a whole to yeah because i was i was just talking to one of my really good friends is deaf is, is a reporter yeah and um and we talk about how journalism is to me, in my opinion, mm-hmm. at, at its, at its very purest form is an activist medium mm-hmm. and, um, and, oh, uh, we can also talk about the negative connotation behind the word activist, right? No, yeah. Because it's, it's, w- I mean, honestly, the, if you look it up an activist is, it's just a person that brings about social change. So a lot of the p- people that we admire in American history, yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. was an activist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Even not in American history, Mahatma Gandhi was an act activist. Sorry. Um. uh, So there's a lot of people. Bob Marley was an activist, like in his own way. You know what I mean? And um, and it's interesting how activists here on Guam are painted. Um, and I think that it's
0: um, it goes, or at least I feel like it goes back to that openness to learn yes because there's a lot of activism states you know mm-hmm. black lives matter yeah right yeah and it goes back to are we openness to learn are we open to learn about what's going on even though it's not about our
1: culture yeah right but it but okay so okay so that's another thing though is that mm-hmm. if how can we worry about how we're going to leave what we're going to leave behind for our kids yeah. in the next thirty years, if it's even the peop- It's you. It's the people within the culture that are arguing with each other about what is happening right now today. Yeah. Because I can tell you that most of the conversations I've had about liberation or just about the status of Guam. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the disagreements happen between tomorrow people
0: within, yeah, the community.
1: Um, I think that openness and willingness to learn is, is a huge thing. I think that compassion is a huge thing. It is. Um, I- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, look, li- we're, you're tomorrow, I'm tomorrow, but we both experienced you know Mm -hmm. we both have a different experience of identity yeah growing up um
0: and does come come down to really comes down to compassion you know yeah um this sounds very like high school but when i was here living in guam in high school i had my group of friends and i had my opinions about people from other schools yeah (laughs) as everyone do does with my school, too. Yeah, rivals. I, I have, like, a... Ri- <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, you went there? Oh, well done. Um, <laughs> but the minute we were within the same community outside of our home, it's like those boundaries and those barriers and those stereotypes never existed. You're talking like about, like, when you were in the Bay Area, yeah.
1: right? And you needed to connect with other Chamorras. Yeah, like I, I had... Like yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's like it never existed. And, um, you know, private school. rivals, yeah. And... Our labels just fell apart and we became family. And even within my class, there's a guy that I went to college with. We went f- to the same school. Didn't really hang out in high school. And then when we got to college, we actually like <laughs> hung out a couple of times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> really cool with each yeah. other. I mean, there was like no negative feelings, but overall, you just click, right? Yeah. It's like a magnet. It's like, oh, you're from shoot, Like, you know, yeah. I got you
1: all of a sudden the social constructs in Guam aren't a thing yeah oth- in other places yeah that's that's pretty interesting too but
0: so how do we get that here cuz i feel like it still exists today and in some ways it's because it's fed
1: fed by what fed
0: by ideas That we can't let go or Mm -hmm. illusions. Well, see, that's that's the thing.
1: Is like, okay, so we can go. Okay, we could talk about everything that's political that's happening right now. I really think this water thing is really, (laughs) really. I mean, honestly, it's like how how like how um well how water right how how straightforward is that though? Like everybody needs clean water. Nobody wants chemical and contaminated shit. I could talk about that Um,
0: because when I was in Bali. I could not drink the tap water there.
1: I couldn't brush my teeth in India yeah without bottled water. Yeah. And just
0: how the system is. So yeah. I drink bottled water all the time and I remember at one point I was feeling very frustrated cuz like mm. I had to be very careful when I showered, I had to be careful when I brushed my teeth yeah. because you would contract Bali belly or you mm-hmm, know um a mm-hmm. sickness. Like and we have this luxury right now where yes, we don't drink the tap water in general, but it's not going to kill you if you drink the tap water.
1: Yeah. Here. That's a luxury. <laughs> And I just think that not 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 um thinking that that's an, an important responsibility of ours to maintain is so it's just shows you're <laughs> laughing at me' because I'm like getting you're so <laughs> you're so worked either, right? up no, about so it. Funny. <laughs> 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 it's just it 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 hurts a little bit to to mm-hmm. not think that we all have um responsibility and um over over making sure that we all have clean water. You know, and, and then also kn- learning. I did not know this, but Fena Lake, I did not know about Fena Lake. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about that. Where's Fennel Lake? Feta Lake is another source of water that we could have had, but it's on military property right now. So the military basically took our resource mm-hmm. and is selling us the water. Okay. Right? But at too high a rate. Guam can't afford it. What? So we've been weaned off that source of water.
0: Okay, what? First of all, where did you get this information? From I played Devil's Advocate. So, where did you get this information?
1: Dude, that video that uh Humanities Guohan, uh produced and Lola was in it. It was two came out 2 years ago. Okay. A- about it. And um it's like a PSA. Okay. And just like knowing those things, but you know, and there's so many layers to it, right? Because we all want to be happy, we all want to be able to provide for our families and make sure our families are safe and fed. And
0: this conversation has no shape or form. We're not attacking the military or anything. We both have family members in the military. Yes, truly love, close to you. my dad was the Air Force. That.
1: I don't think it's even about attacking. It's just about accountability. There you That's go. really all that it's about. It's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> like well, like you don't poison on water. Also, and knowledge. even just knowing like, you know, these things like you would never, you know, f- for me, like when you um, like if I had a house and I had d- and I welcomed somebody into my house to mm-hmm. to um, be a, a, f- a roommate. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I got a new roommate. Okay. Okay. And if I found out that this roommate yeah, left, if I found out that this roommate left a hun- hundred different um, areas of shit, like of their own shit, like feces, okay, in different areas of my house, yeah. didn't clean it up, yeah, right. Um, even oh, you know what? Hell, sh- my roommate took the master bedroom because it's the prettiest one and has the best view outside the window as well um leaves their own feces all around the the house I mean I'm supposed to accept that you know this roommate wants another room in my house and it's the set it's the it's the room that has another beautiful view and has Mm -hmm. a bunch of my shit in it I don't know I don't really know how else to describe it it's about accountability like please go and clean up your stuff go clean up the almost a hundred or over a hundred toxic yeah. chemical dump sites that have been left around the whole island, yeah. and then maybe we might believe that you're going to take care of our resources. Mm-hmm. Not even just that. It's that um, we can talk about all of this stuff until we're blue in the face. But there is so much about what it is what does it mean to be liberated?
0: I think. While you were speaking, the first thing that came to mind was how many people actually living on our island consider it home? Not home that you have, you pay rent and you pay your utilities and you do your day to day, but really consider it a part of them, like mm-hmm. their home, and really dig deep into finding that. Because there are a lot of people who live here and are just living. They don't, there's not that much, like, there's no attachment to it. They're maybe always
1: missing something or they want missing something else. And there's
0: nothing wrong with that. Mm. Um, people could want different things in life. But maybe that's where the gap in the conversation is, is that a lot of us aren't connecting home with the home within us. Mm. Because when you really mm. build a home within you, you give a shit about things,
1: and that's and that's where I think l- true liberation even really starts too. Mm-hmm. Is like, if your mind and the way you think and your heart isn't completely liberated by all the bullshit you inherited, yeah. by all the habits that you've you've somehow created within yourself in order to survive mm-hmm. in the environment that you grew up in, you cannot be l- liberated.
0: Yeah it's kind of like having a pet right (laughs) maybe maybe you didn't care about having a dog or you didn't care about dogs yeah there's stray dogs all around the island Mm -hmm. you didn't really care until the moment you got a dog of your own Mm -hmm. and then your dog ran away (laughs) then you start caring right what
1: it's my dog then you
0: start caring about the safety of your dog and if it's getting bullied by other dogs yeah. or, or if it's, it's eating dirty something <laughs> it's not supposed to be eating if yeah. you want to uncle john's house <laughs> you're worried about all these things yeah. because suddenly that puppy yeah. that doggy, means something to yeah. you
1: well okay so let's 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 hit going back to this talk about an alu- the illusion mm-hmm. the illusion that happiness is in some type of dream actually we don't even have to label it the american dream because this is a dream this is like a value system that was introduced to many different indigenous cultures by different foreign bodies that um that basically told a bunch of these indigenous people you don't have enough you know Mm -hmm. like what you have right now how you're winning your life it's not enough your cultures it's not enough they don't, they don't belong in modern life. Okay. Um, that illusion that, um, that I don't even, kn- I don't even get it anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, you know, you, ha- you just can't find what you're looking for here. Does that make sense?
0: Or talking in general?
1: Mm-hmm like you can't find it on Guam. It's somewhere it's somewhere in the states, somewhere in a westernized place. Somewhere with stores and with um you know, fancy well, restaurants. Depends
0: what you're looking for cuz if you're looking for a Starbucks then yes, you cannot get it here. But are you looking for Starbucks or
1: you but looking like for why? coffee <laughs> cuz <'Cause> there's <laughs> coffee. There's here. coffee here.
0: Well <laughs> Okay, so that's That's an interesting question cuz I moved to Bali. Uh right in search of something yes um i think at that point in my life i was feeling a lot of (coughs) resistance sorry sorry sorry. homegirls playing with batteries (laughs) while i'm speaking (laughs) sorry Uh, so (laughs) i felt a lot of resistance in my life in general and i was going through a lot of things internally and i felt that i needed to find those solutions outwards it's basically coming up with a roadmap. I want to do this with my life. It has nothing to do with Guam, but I think that these experiences are going to help me. I'm gonna go figure it out. Mm-hmm. I want to go figure it out. I came back home. Those weren't. <laughs> those <laughs> didn't help me at all. But <laughs> it helps me. It helped me grow uh-huh. in a way where I could sit with myself now, back on Guam. And take those experiences and be like, okay, I'm nurturing the root of me. I'm reaching the plan of me. And we talked about this on Master Random, how you said that you weren't ready to meet me three years ago. Three years years ago, yeah. It's the same thing. The version I am right now is definitely not the same version I was like a year ago.
1: Yeah, we're always changing. Yeah. And we're always... So, yeah,
0: yeah, the idea... I know everyone's on people who want to leave Guam and think that Guam doesn't have these opportunities... But that person is probably going to sh- shed layers. If not now, they just have to go through that motion. Well, I'm not I'm not trying like to rob
1: anyone of that experience, but I think that...
0: No, but I think also people who leave have this negative connotation. Like, they think they're good enough or they think that they're better than people here and stuff like that.
1: People but who, it depends go- who leave? Sorry, I'm not... Can you clarify that?
0: Yeah. Because um, I've, I've heard, like some things like through the grapevines that for certain people that do leave island um they get shit talked like oh they think they're better than us oh they left or something yeah they left I was like I don't think they think they're better than you I think they just want different experiences and we're human Mm -hmm. who's to say that I want to live in
1: that's interesting though because because I've actually heard more the narrative of like oh that would be the dream like (laughs) to go to um i don't know i don't know just go off island and experience life somewhere else like that i've heard that all the time which i don't see i don't i think that's a very natural thing i think it's very natural to think the grass is greener but like yeah. but but also being aware of of what it is that what constructs were created here on island or around the people that raised you um and how how those constructs affect you, and how they keep you from being quote unquote liberated in everyday life, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that naturally, if someone goes through those motions of asking questions like that and having that openness to learn, because mm-hmm.
0: um, I I had a friend, um, I asked her, I was like, "Would you ever leave Guam?" She goes, "Nope, Guam's my home. I always want to be here." Yeah. But she left. What? Yeah.
1: Dang. Thanks, friend. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs)
0: No, because life happens. Yeah. And she never thought she would leave. But um, life happened and it blessed her with someone and that person required that she leave. It required that she left. Yeah. You know, and she's experiencing the States for the first time and it's freaking her out in some ways but definitely seeing the growth in her. But I think that's the beautiful thing about life. It kind of brings you where you need to be. Yeah. Because I I tried leaving three times. But I ended it back. And I think this time around, I've actually really, really connected with myself. Yeah. But it had to be now. It had to be at this timing. Like every day in my life, could not have happened any sooner or later it had to be like exactly at this moment so all this awareness i'm getting all this everything i'm learning about our island and our culture and our language and how to pronounce things and values and customs and my really building my relationships with like like my uncle you yeah. know and
1: your cousins and my cousins
0: <laughs> learning about them it had to happen now for a reason yeah I think in that sense, accepting that liberated me from a lot of pressure yeah. that I put on myself.
1: I think that I I, th- I can really relate to, to you with that, too, because I feel like the more that I've learned about and connected to my family and learned, heard stories and mm-hmm. understood the thread that connects us all, mm-hmm. like, that's where my... Um, that's where my comfort has started to come in in and you could call it healing or it's just a general feeling of home you know
0: yeah because how different do you think your life would have been if you came back three years ago or three years later
1: um oh so you're talking about timing now right i'm talking about timing yeah um Three years ago, I would not have been ready because three years ago, I was looking at Guam as a place that would trap me. (laughs) I was like, when I don't have enough money saved up to go home because I was afraid that moving to Guam would make me feel trapped. And then like, and then I would run out of money and then I wouldn't be able to leave if Mm -hmm. I wanted to. Like, that's how I viewed Guam. And, um... And then, you know, so I had to go through a motion of, like, understanding that smallness uh, Mm -hmm. is a frame of mind. Like, it's like, you know, being trapped is a frame of mind. Um, Thinking that you need. I lived in California for 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. I would go to L.A. every few months. San Diego. Probably once a year to visit an aunt. That's all I I stayed on the West Coast pretty much the whole time I was there. I never even went. I was telling my 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 friend the other day. I was like, I never even went out to Oregon or like Seattle. What? I went to New York once. I went to D.C. two times. Yeah. And then other than that, I didn't go anywhere else in the United States. So why the hell in my, in my mind do I need all of that land to feel free?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? i didn't i didn't need it <laughs> I just that's some very deep but <laughs> just but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> but so but i it really that 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 mindset um kept me from coming back to guam and making guam home but yeah. i d- um you're right like timing is a huge thing um but i think that it, i don't know if it's I also don't think it's helpful to even worry about timing. I think it's more helpful to just be aware and present and open to what life is bringing you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And to not resist truth. Like, there is truth and a lot of the truth, I think, behind being a native person and um, being um, Hoppa? (laughs) Is that the word for it?
0: Uh, Hoppa, yeah. means... Half Asian and half like a different descent,
1: okay mm-hmm. um there's a lot of truth there that is painful to learn i think um, there's a lot of pain attached to cer these experiences, you know, and it's because of it's because of his it's c- because of our history you know but but it's also a lot of of pain that could set you. One free, you know,
0: if you learn about it, mm-hmm. which I think I could attest to, we learned a lot. It was oh,
1: yeah, Valerie's episode. Oh. Um, reading reading sea of islands by um, apelli yeah, um, was wow, it's like really it was beautiful, We're yeah, it was bu- a beautiful
0: two different cultures, I think, yeah. But it's about like navigating that scope. Ourselves. Yeah. Our ancestors. Just to have a better understanding of our place
1: in the world. Mm -hmm. And the decisions that we make every day. Yeah. Especially now. Especially right now. I mean, always right now. Yeah. Always.
0: Cheers to that.
1: Cheers to that. As we drink our clean water. Yes. (laughs) All right. I think this is going to conclude um, this episode.
0: RJ and is Yeah. If you haven't done so, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Dear Gorgeous Letters.
1: Yes. And we want to hear from you. Right? And we're on Spotify now. Yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on... Podbean still. No, we're not.
0: Just kidding.
1: We're not on Podbean anymore. Just the first 12 episodes. Yes. Um, but breaker radio podcast and i think that's it anchor well anchor is our host now yeah yeah so um thank you guys all for listening we hope you guys had um a good liberation day happy sunday happy sunday peace uh.